Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. So much great conversation always ahead for you when you tune into the program. Check us out via AMI.ca if you want to just stream it while you're working at your desk. Or tune in radio, OOTunes, great apps in which to enjoy the show. Ramya Muthan back today on the show as we start swinging open the gateway to your weekend. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Took the words right out of my mouth. Settled in, ready to, uh, or as I like to say, belted in and ready to go for a really fun show. A lot of great conversations, as usual, uh, a lot of great things to find out about. Yes, and you know, you say belted in, and I automatically thought of Wonderland and how there are no real seatbelts on my favorite rides, being the Leviathan and the Behemoth, and uh, what's the newest one? Um, Yukon Striker. Okay, that's good, because was, I was yes. going to say something that's probably inc- very <laughs> wrong. Um, what, when, how, how old was, like, the bat? Wasn't there a bat there? Oh, geez. Yeah, there is a bat. That's really... It's is it, yeah, but but it's it one of the newer but older. Yes. Is right. it newer? Oh, I, I guess so. I think so. I don't... It wasn't there originally. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I guess not. Um, I remember as a kid, the the big thing for, for uh, Wonderland when, when it opened... Uh, was the stand-up roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to try the stand-up roller coaster, getting on it, sort of like sitting on a bicycle seat, it, yeah, but you're standing, sort of. Yeah, that one still feels like sitting to me because my feet don't touch the ground. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I even, well, as even as I'm a kid, hanging. I still felt like I was standing. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, which one did you say was your favorite, the Leviathan? I do love, Behemoth, I think, is the the all-time between the three of them, and Leviathan is also good. But there's no seatbelts, right? It's just this bar with a bit of a T shape. The bar holds you in, though. And holds you in, but your whole upper body is exposed to the elements. There's no, like, shoulder yeah, but that's Clamp. okay, isn't it? Or do you feel? Yeah, that's fine. You're not really whipped around like I like. I used to like feeling it, right? You know the the air. I didn't like when. Yeah, it's oh smooth. my god, I'm so held in. It's a very smooth ride when you aren't held in. Feels good. Yeah, it's the total opposite what? of banging your head around and having to take an Advil after the Mindbuster. Yeah, I will see, and I liked the old Mindbuster. I loved you know <laughs> feeling on my side like, and when I could see enough, and you're going into the tunnel, mm-hmm. it was like oh, my, I remember the first time as a kid saying, "Oh my gosh, we're gonna hit!" Because we were that's on that, that slight angle, and I remember being like, "See, that's so the one rugged. thing now. If I did it now, I can't see enough to even know." Oh, I think I'm inside now. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, let's tell you a little bit of what's coming up on Kelly and Company for the Friday edition. No more empty shelf experiences. Hmm. As Walmart is using artificial intelligence to keep products stocked. Well, John Beeler, he has the scoop or <clears throat> the Walmart touch of promise. <laughs> the Helen Keller Center is building a new housing complex in the uh, Toronto area. And Karen McGee is going to fill us in. Ryan Huey highlights the upcoming thank you party, garden party, being hosted by Caliber Audio, showing appreciation to the hardworking volunteers in the industry. We'll talk to him about that and get all the goods uh, in hour two right here on Kelly and Company. So I'm not sure how much I would use this. I, I think... You get in the mode, you get curious about a, an answer as we do as you go down the rabbit hole with uh, asking our friend Google or the A-Lady. A new online service is giving insight into what kind of long-distance travel is going on sometimes 
just a few meters above your head. A bay-breasted warbler that weighs about the same as four pennies twice a year flies nearly 4,000 miles between Canada's spruce forests and its wintering grounds in northern South America. That's according to a new free-to-the-public online atlas of bird migration by the National Audubon Society. It compiles info from GPS tags, bird branding data from the U.S. Geological Survey and other advanced tech. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Now, we know all about the tags, whether it's on sharks, whether it's on birds, always fasting. You start thinking, oh, wow, I'd like to just kind of follow one of those. And I don't know how accessible that would be with screen readers on that level. This level might be very different with some really interesting things, at least to read about and how often it might be updated. But it really does make you think as you're walking, Rumya, what is... going just above your head right exactly you know the other day i uh, took a trip to tommy thompson park here in toronto uh, it's a fascinating fascinating area just off a of waterfront and the amount of stuff i learned about birds kells they have a lot of um, bird research going on there mm-hmm. migratory birds coming in and out of uh, toronto but it was just fascinating so i feel that there is a lot going on in this side of things that we have no clue about and this uh, info with the, what do they call it? Burb-chested warblers? Oh, um, the warblers. Yeah, mm-hmm. the warblers yeah. was also quite interesting. You know, what I always find really interesting is the distance, some of these, uh, whether it's the geese or the small birds like that. Yes. How far, you know, how many hours, some of them having to swim across, uh, swim across, excuse me, guys, sorry, you better not be swimming, fly across our, our great, huge lakes. Yes. Here. And the rest, um, do they get any rest? Do they yeah. not? Yeah. And a lot of them, th- they'll get to the other side. There are ones that take a 22-hour flight, nowhere to land for them. And they're small birds. They they eat enough before so that they're full enough and get going on their on their journey because they know I'm going to not get a chance to really eat anything. They need that energy. But it's amazing because we're talking going from Canada to parts of South America, uh, Mexico. Like, that's just phenomenal yeah. all flying above us like that and just the instinct says okay today's a day let's go i know and, and we you know if somebody were to swim across the great lake or let's just say lake ontario uh we would be thinking wow and and how long would that take and where are you going to rest and take a break but for some reason when it's birds we don't often think about that right like they need to take breaks it's too. It's almost like a concept that they no, nah, they don't really do. That. There's got to be. Well, where are they stopping? Well, they must find the islands. Mm-hmm. They must know have a, have a chart, a mapping. Maybe they use Google Maps to find all the <laughs> islands or something out there. Uh, whereas people jumping in their cars are are driving around, and that's all they can do. Oh, oh, well, sorry, Rum. Speaking of cars, and I certainly can guarantee these birds aren't following any luxury vehicles like this one. A luxury vehicle in Chicago was the victim of car theft. But, but folks, twice in the same day? Corey Simon was getting an oil change for his Jaguar SUV when two suspects went into the shop bay, closed the hood, got in and drove off. Just took the car and hijacked it. Simon called police and they tracked it down using GPS. Three hours later, Simon went into a gas station. Filled up with gas and uh, in hop another individual so that stole my car. He contacted the same officers again and said, You'll never going to believe this, but my car was stolen again. And once again, Chicago officers recovered his car. I mean, who gets their car stolen two times in in three hours? Simon said, luck is on my side. Todd Ant, ABC News. Simon says, 
Watch your car better. Keep your keys. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say because where he's talking about it happening are places where you would think, no problem, the staff are there, no man. Hey, what, what's going on? Who closed the hood? You guys down. And the vehicle's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, with technology ever evolving, don't you think that there's got to be a day where none of this happens anymore? Well, there's a recall out right now because some of the uh, ignition stops that that equipment to keep you from being able to do said things in some vehicles uh, weren't put in, maybe due to the pandemic. Maybe the vehicles at the time were not going to be um, not going to have it, and maybe the next model did. But you hear all these things because there's so many stolen vehicles. Has been it's gone up. And the, the thieves are finding ways around. But yeah. these, I think the only thing that happened to save this is the tracking allowed the vehicle to be found. I I just don't know what you would say calling those officers again. What lie would you tell? What lie would I t- Are you asking me this? Would you feel silly like calling them and saying my vehicle got stolen again? I mean, you can't get around that. No. You have to tell them that. Yeah, you do. Um, Can but I waste some more city taxes uh, with spending money? Maybe some people don't care. I mean, I love the way he tells the story, though. It's so it's so true and honest of himself, and the way it comes out is he's able to laugh at himself. Well, of course, because they found his vehicle, yeah. stolen vehicle, twice in the exactly. same day. That doesn't happen when you think about all the vehicles that are stolen, and then instantly, boom, they're loaded up on a on a, a ship and taken out of out of, <laughs> out of the country or into a chop shop, and their vehicle within an hour That's is the way to deal two or three other vehicles or parts of. Folks, we're going to step aside for a moment. Coming up next, reporter Grant Hardy brings us the latest lifestyle headlines. Please stick around. It's the Friday edition of Kelly and Company. Welcome back to Kelly and Company. Rumya Booth and Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of the program. So is the roller coasters your favorite ride at a fair, or do you really only know a fair um, as Wonderland and the exhibition? Wonderland X Marine Land, that's pretty much it. I don't I didn't like going to fairs. Because um, well I didn't like going on the rides at fairs. Okay. There's always something in the back of my mind that goes, you know that uh, What if yeah, because it's temporary. So what if they forgot to screw on this thing properly and then boom. I will never, ever sit here and remind myself of some of the things that would happen. My father and I used to go to one park in Montreal. And I've shared this hand. with Andy Frank. And we would talk about, because on the news would come the stories exactly. of, yeah, the wild wild mouse ride, another car went off, the, and we and it was my father's favorite ride, which was about the oh, only no. ride he would go on. <laughs> so I looked forward, we'd go, he'd, let's go to Belmont Park, and I knew for myself, well, the only ride I can go on with my dad is the one where cars go flying off. And this is years ago. This is back in the days when they had the old wooden roller coasters, and the... Um, the, the 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 park was a May to you know like Wonderland open in May right through till October mm-hmm. kind of amusement park but it had stuff all the way back to 1930s and 40s all the rides uh, and these were just huge cool parks and a lot of places uh, had them and, and had to close them because you know the rides were just a little bit too old but they were permanent so mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot of fun and I used to really enjoy uh, going and you know they were sprawling it spread out it was 
a real amusement park as a kid. However, um, yeah, the safety issue of, gee, did the guy forget to close this or yeah. has it just been opened and closed too the many times? Concerns. Do you have those concerns going to the P&E, Grant Hardy, as you join us here for Lifestyle oh, Headlines? I, I have gone on some what I consider highly intense roll, uh, roller coasters before and then I get off going, wow, this is the most intense ride that I can handle and then I'm told uh, dude, you know this is like the four year old Get out of Kitty Land, will you Grant? Stop showing up in Kitty Land. And I used to find that though, Grant. As a kid, I actually found the Kitty Kitty Land rides sometimes you know, scarier to me than than the adult rides. I'm not sure why. Ah. <laughs> not, I don't know if it's because they were down to scale or whatever, and 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 we're but I I remember being scared by a few. Um, for you, what is your experience? Mainly the P and E, or do you guys have something else out there that you go to like these guys here with uh, Wonderland? Uh, well, I grew up in a small town. Uh, well, small-ish town, White Rock, and we had occasionally a little fair there, but mostly the P and E. And I think as a Kid, it was mostly the rides for me because the rest of it, I was just really bored by it and it was pretty visual. But as yeah. an adult, I've, I've started to take in a little more of the um, of the shows and stuff like that. And of course, my mom was always annoyed because I wanted to, you know, purchase the ride pass thing. But then I was too much of a wimp to go on to most of the ride. So. See, my mom was the opposite. She would, she loved the baby rides. Oh, I called them baby rides, but you know what I mean. The, the strawberries that she she would get on the strawberries, the ones that spin, and be like, oh, anyone else head spinning? I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, I, I was. I thought you were going to say she didn't even take you guys on them because you were. Oh, we're not going on that. Well, you wait here while I enjoy in my the ride. Lines at the roller coasters because just seeing the people above us would scare her so much. <laughs> well, and folks, for the people who don't know, uh, P&E, uh, the Pacific uh, National Exhibition, as, as in what we were talking about, uh, the C&E, Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto. Grant's here with Lifestyle Headlines. Grant, where do you want to start? Hey, folks. All right. Uh, robots are just inescapable because yes. I know you've talked about this already this week, but we've got another headline here. Um Pizza del- delivery robots are being tested right here in Vancouver. Um, wow. You know, Pizza Hut, they have lots of people delivering pizzas. But if you order from the Robson Street location in Vancouver's West End right now, you just might get your pizza delivered by a unique pair, Hugo or Raja. They're not delivery people at all. They're delivery robots, two relatively autonomous four-wheeled pizza delivery vehicles uh, right now, it's a pilot project. They do have a person following them on standby, but they're essentially doing everything themselves, including crossing the uh, lights. Uh, one of them set out at Robson and Bidwell, perfectly navigated the walk sign. The other one hung back for another uh, cycle. Um, they're a little bit of an uh, unusual site and attract many stairs. Uh, they're only a couple of feet high with a white container slash body on the front or wheels. They have two eye-like uh, rings on of light, uh, presumably covering cameras and a strip of lights around the top of the body. And a little yellow flag sticks up the, at the back to help them become more visible. So, 
what do you guys feel? <laughs> I know what we're all thinking. So how, have we all thought yet about our feet being cut out from under us by these things as blind people trying to navigate? And what is this? Yeah, Why is this garbage can keep moving around? That's kind of what I'm wondering. And also just those things like your um, your white cane and that kind of thing. You know, how they built in the appropriate provisions for that how do you pay i guess you pay um, ahead of time right you would pay and it would come to you if someone didn't rob it like i that's they must a really good question yeah i mean obviously the pizza is miss... put within a uh probably a hot what do you call it a warmer of some kind it probably has its own warmer mm-hmm. yeah but what we see as like accessibility question mark question mark um other people are <laughs> seeing is oh my god this is a great thing yeah. and just to check it out at all Pizza Blues is probably yeah, getting a lot I, of attention. Yeah? I, I would think so. I'm, I'm certainly very mixed on this. Part of me wonders, you know, we all like to have things personalized by a human, but sometimes if you're really hungry and, you know, you just need your, your food, you know, you don't want to have a lot of try and do your little friendly banter at the, at the door. Um, you know, this seems like a kind of an interesting idea on the other hand i do really see this taking away jobs from people oh for sure um need them and that's unfortunate especially in this day and age well i i imagine right now it's pretty limited right in what where how far it goes because you got to think about neighborhoods which locations would be good because of stairs and things like that i'm not sure on the navigating yet Mm -hmm. of 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 it upstairs downstairs i would absolutely love to see something like this if there could be one person at the store that managed to a talk back, so when they came to your door, you know, especially if it, it goes in, how does it buzz your floor, right? Okay, so say it's only going to deliver to houses and, and yeah. those things are not going to be sent out to an a, a apartment building. So when you get the door, open it. You know, at least if, well, what the heck? Mm-hmm. You know, if you have those problems, you can say hello, the, you know, through the voice. The, you, on the top, there's a, a, K, a containment area. Please turn the knob and remove your pizza. Like some way of a human being kind of assisting in that way is what I wonder. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know how much intelligence is used. Yeah. With the and sound, though, I, I wonder, Greg, if we get used to things like this like if okay right now this is a uh novelty situation if you will right there's these two robots they're super cute and they're making their way around town it's definitely a test right yeah this is early 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 days but what about when it becomes familiar like we know when the garbage trucks are in our areas we know when uh the ice cream trucks around we know when um Mm -hmm. the snow blowers or you know these these things are around in the winter time etc 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 so would we if there was enough audio indication for these kind of things i don't know about uniformity though but just saying could we say oh okay step aside there's the pizza delivery robot yeah um i mean that's always tricky isn't it because like electric cars Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those basically make no, no sound. noise at all. I yes. mean, I had to kind of lobby the manufacturers to get them to make any sound at all. And even then, I find it very tricky to hear. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have people who kind of don't want their robots and their vehicles to make sound. The other thing that I actually found kind of 
interesting reading this is that they use the pedestrian sidewalks. I yes. feel like it'd be better if it used the roadways right. um, because sometimes these teeny little things can be relatively dangerous, all these little scooters and robots and whatever, especially mm-hmm. if they're not at least use the bike lanes. Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I would imagine they're going to have somebody monitor each one like they were doing. And I think that would continue because they're going to have the problem of people who are, hey, man, look, let's go on those pizza delivery robots. You hungry? <laughs> like you, you do have to figure that kind of thing is going to happen. So they're going to have to outfit it to be able to take pictures, catch ID. I mean, obviously, it's got to be able to see somewhat where, it, you know, where it's going with sensors and, and what have you anyway. So I'm sure that would be part of it. But this would be really interesting to see this test just to see what kinds of things they do have to deal with, whether it's weather, um, whether it, that, that crossing alone, crossing the street. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, you mm-hmm. know, seeing it going across the street and you're in your car and you're, hey, that's one of those little pizza dudes. And I would have the same <laughs> concerns as I do when I see Uber Eats people on bicycles. Like, I just mm-hmm. wonder if my stuff is protected enough um, in terms of the food, the contents. Yeah. 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 Dude, and, I And don't... they use other things, too, don't they, Grant? In other con- uh, countries, t- Uber is testing different, like, drones and stuff for delivery. Yeah. So some places yeah. are doing it with, with, narco- uh, you know, with narcotics, with medication. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of places doing it across the borders with narcotics yeah. illegally, but uh, with medications. Yeah, exactly. Well, that makes you, me feel better about what I was going to say, because I was going to jokingly say, don't try this at home. But, hey, wouldn't it be fun... <laughs> Just snag that little robot, you know, uh-huh. and see its little personality kick in. Like, hello, please let me go. I I'm not delivering to you, delivery. Grant. Back off. <laughs> and then the then they've probably worked with this to have it do the laugh. <laughs> you know, especially yes. as it runs over your foot. Oh, geez. It carries around Good pepper spray. Exactly. Yeah, it's Desperate pepper times. spray or something. Desperate times. Oh, boy. Well, Grant, can we fit your last one in? Um, we've got a kind of an interesting uh, art vending machine in Vancouver. It's unorthodox. It's in Van- uh, Vancouver's downtown. Now, most times vending machines, it dispenses uh, soda and chips. Those are the ones I know and love. Um, but we've got a vending machine that's actually dispensing art, everything from prints to, 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 to pins. And uh, a portion of the proceeds are going back to support local artists. And it's something to make art more accessible uh, to people who maybe find galleries or art showcases few and far between. So I think this is a really interesting idea. Uh, Unfortunately, I do see some difficulty in making this accessible to our community because it's all going to be behind glass. Um, But maybe with the right amount of description or something, you know, a little sign on, on the side, we could make this uh, a little more widely accessible and what a cool idea. Hey, yeah, I mean, that's always the way that it is, Grant. These things are great, and we don't always and can't always expect people to put accessibility in since the beginning, right, or from the very beginning. But uh, you would keep your fingers crossed that at least there's some alternative access, alternate access for people, um, so that we can enjoy, get the information, at least understand the project especially with art, because art is everywhere and all kinds, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just um, also making sure that there's 
maybe art that in itself is accessible for us, you know, not just the description, but, mm-hmm. you know, something, a little coaster, something that's kind of tactile, you know, it yeah. has some personality, whether you can see it or not. Uh, Kelly, what do you Lovely. think? You, you, yeah. You got <sighs> any art in I, your place? Well, you know what? I love the idea of having stuff because I guess it's, it's what you just know. I was raised having some things at home and, you know, and you know, my family just had it. So it seems normal to me, but I love the exposure thing for this. I know enough artists uh, through my theater, you know, um, uh, uh, aspirations and, and dealing with people and anything to give them a leg up would be wonderful. Thanks, Grant. Oh, yeah. Awesome stuff, Thanks. pal. Thanks so much, guys. Take Talk to easy. you next week as Grant Hardy, reporter, brings us a lifestyle today. Uh, folks, no more empty shelf experiences as Walmart is about to start using artificial intelligence to keep products stocked. John Beeler, he joins us in a moment. He's got the scoop. Remember to check out the Kelly and Company podcast when you have time. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Just do a search for Kelly and Company or AMI podcast. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff. But our show particularly, folks, when you take a listen, you can hear the show in its complete form. The Kelly and Company podcast experience where we throw on the audio vanity card at the end. Or you can listen to the feed of the show. Yeah, man, believe me, you can listen to your favorite segment parceled out or maybe a missed one you came in while it was half over and want to hear it again subscribe to the kelly and company podcast feed and away you go enjoy it and while you're in there if you don't mind give us a rating and review i'm kelly mcdonald with rumya muthan and on fridays we like to get to our app update this is where we learn and chat a lot about some things going on with the tech world john beeler joins us to do this and john we have a, a variety of things to talk about as always starting with walmart so we may not be experiencing empty shelves anymore because uh, walmart is using ai to keep the shelves stacked did they start this yeah, already? That, well they they started it uh with a pilot program in right. about 70 stores okay and uh now they've expanded it to all stores and uh this is a really interesting thing that i think is really going to change sort of the retail experience, not just at Walmart, but I think other places as well. Um, One of the things that they're doing is they actually have cameras uh, pointed at the shelves. So you actually get a a better sense of how much uh, of that product is on the shelf. Quite often uh, when you go to uh, a retailer like Walmart and you go to their website and it says, oh yeah, there's two left in stock. That doesn't take into account things that aren't actually on the shelf. They could right. be in the back room. They could be in the returns bin. They could be all kinds of different places. So now the idea is that these will actually be much more uh, accurate, real-time uh, stock quotes as far as uh, what's uh, in stock. But it also gives uh, Walmart some really interesting data thanks to the artificial intelligence angle. So they can actually start to predict when certain things are a hot commodity, maybe the weather's changing, so all the you know the summer stuff gets more popular, those kinds of things, but much more granular levels of stock notifications as far as well. There's a run on these types of things. We need to order more sooner than waiting until it's actually out of stock before they order more because there might be a, a lag. So 
It's really going to help their stores stay on top of it, as well as the staff having a better uh, amount of time to actually stock those shelves with the certain things. Because as you can imagine, having to take inventory all the time makes it really challenging yeah, for them brutal. to like mm. guess what's in stock versus having the computer to always knowing what's in stock. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you have a new order come in or returns, it's going to take time to clear those, get them set, and stock those shelves. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about, though... What's going to happen if stuff Walmart is notorious for just people just dropping things wherever? You know yep. what I mean? Like it's <laughs> bad. I, yeah. It's the first place I think of when I think of stuff like this. The organization of um, products and then, you know, you go somewhere and then you just find this random thing that doesn't belong there at all. So I, I wonder how AI is going to respond to that side of it. Well, that's an interesting aspect because, in theory, these cameras mm-hmm. will notice that there's something there that shouldn't be there. That's right. right. So yep. it could alert an associate to go and, hey, there's pickup on aisle two kind of thing. <laughs> and, and you know, I also wonder, John, if they had to, and I'm sure they learned all this through the pilot project, how you now set those shelves up, whether it's an angle, whether it's a specific position that, or where you're putting your cameras that deal with that said shelving and products and how much do you have per camera per, per product. So like, you know, it's hard to believe to think, well, okay, if you're talking about shreddies, are you just having a shreddies camera for the different ones that the AI can tell? Or can AI absolutely just sort what's down that aisle if the camera was in the right place or that section of aisle? So I'd love to know what, they, what they've discovered with that, to how to do it. Because in theory, it truly makes sense that AI is looking at the box and, and uh, through the camera and finding the same things that scanners do and all that when we go through. Yeah, although not all UPC codes, for example, are right. on the front of the boxes, no. right? So, so I have a feeling that that question is probably not going to be answered because I'm sure Walmart is trying to keep this technology close to their chest. Yeah. Um, Amazon, if you recall, has something very similar where they actually have stores and, and certain uh, even Whole Foods now. You just go in, you scan your your either your palm or your uh, credit card or even your Amazon account. And you go in, grab what you want, and you just walk out. You don't even go to a checkout anymore. So they've got a lot of technology that's watching the shelves. They have weight systems, so it's like a scale, so it can tell that someone took something off of it, plus like a huge array of cameras. I don't think Walmart's quite there yet, but I imagine that's sort of where this is all going. Yeah, I'd imagine down the way you'll be able to literally run in, grab what you want, go, and it will know, Kelly, you took this, this, and this. That, that it will have that technology to know and instantly bill me or if I set up the account right, just withdraw that or charge my credit card. Uh, I would imagine for those when you get when we get that care, that security, that trust, um, it'll surprise us that that ability is there and what we're willing to give up. Well, and the technology is here now. I mean, facial yeah. recognition mm-hmm. can be employed sure. as you walk in and it tracks you the whole time. You don't even have to touch anything. You no. just pick yeah. up the goods you want and walk right out. We're not quite there yet because I think there's also a, a shift that the consumers have to understand because it still feels like you're shoplifting even right. though you're not. <laughs> yeah. so. or, or too much of your info, too much. What do you mean? You know, people coming in, what are you shrugging for? I don't I pull my hat down. I don't want that camera to see me. Well, what do you mean? Why not? It. Oh, yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. the aspect that... Um, I always think about first, you know, how does this affect me as the yeah. consumer? But you should, though, because Absolutely. we're so quick, as Danielle McLaughlin says, to say, oh, this is convenient. I'll give up my rights right. to security and safety. And any part of it, you know, like when you're talking about the AI, going back to the original um, 
sorting, right, that AI is using, that's not changing my experience in, in any significant way. If I walk into Walmart, things are going to feel pretty much the same, right? But, you know, a yeah. lot of other things, if we're uh, having a question, okay, but how about accessibility now? How about what happens when I walk in? Do, will I be able to find people there anymore? Are robots replacing all the people at Walmart? That kind of thing is a totally different discussion. Yeah. But I, but I think the going back to the original uh, point of this uh, topic, though, is you might not even have to go to the store because you're going to know before you leave that that product isn't in stock. Exactly. So you can save that trip yes. in theory. Yes. In theory. And you would also think that as this goes on, when you go in, especially if you start learning where things are, that with the same technology, you can GPS whatever you're looking for and literally almost find it. And with our technology, those shelves are never going to be, in theory, uh, more than half empty, let's say. Um, Deep fake audio has a, a tell, a telltale here, I guess you'd say. Uh, John, I don't know if that's the best way, but uh, researchers, they have figured it out. They can say they can spot it. Yeah, well, th- th- there's a big problem that's sort of been brewing for a little while now where deep fake audio and video, for that matter, right. um, basically puts words and makes people say things that they didn't actually say because the technology has gotten so good that only with as little as 10 or 20 seconds of source audio, you can train a, a system to mimic your voice. Now, the big, easy thing to think about with this is yeah. the downside to this is what if I called uh, Ramya and said, hey, I'm Kelly. You need to go and buy me some gift cards for Google right now. And you didn't actually say that, but Ramya thinks you did because she believes that's you on the phone. And she goes and does that and then gives those codes to Because it's so typical email. of him for asking for gift cards. That's why. I'm just such that's a generous person, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this Kelly actually not again. This, 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 this has actually happened uh, at, at where Using I work. This. Oh. Well, not not with the audio, with emails. Yes. You'll get a fake yeah. email right. and, yep. and then someone will just like, oh, well, it's it's an email from the boss. But now if they're actually calling you and you don't realize that it's actually – a, a, a computer system and not the actual person, there's a lot of potential for abuse, fraud, yeah, all kinds of trippy. illegal activities. But what these researchers have figured out, and now this isn't going to necessarily stop the fraud, it might just forensically help after the fact, right. is the fact that when you do train a AI system for these deep fakes audio, the way that humans actually talk what the mechanisms in our throats and how our the airflow happens, those types of things, the breath of uh, of speech, for example, those are all things that are very unique to humans. And the computer actually doesn't have a proper uh, system to to mimic that mm-hmm. because how we speak and if I take a long breath and those kinds of things those things can be sort of emphasized by people doing an impersonation, but the actual audio recording will show and a computer system can detect this, that that person didn't actually breathe properly to make those words. Wow. So Hmm. it's, it's a really interesting sort of take on this because this is becoming a bigger problem. And because nowadays uh, these systems can almost be in real time. So if I'm having a conversation with you and I have the ability on my computer to type my response, and the computer will instant, almost instantaneously spit out me mimicking Ramya, mm-hmm. for example, you wouldn't be able to know 
other than maybe there's a slight delay in the time it takes me to type what I want to say. Um, but I can at least maybe have a conversation and that's only going to get better when they start automating those things to mm-hmm. respond yeah. to things like that. And so this is an interesting way that, you know, and I don't, I don't know what this is going to lead to. I mean, in theory, this could maybe your phone will have some kind of software built in that will detect that this isn't a kind of like how your spam filter detects. Yes. This might not be a legitimate email. This mm-hmm. might not be a legitimate call because the speech pattern is sounds it's uh, off. computer yeah it's something's wrong right. with this picture See, uh, so at it, least the red flag will go up if you had enough audio of a person talking to create that if someone's intention was to do that or or people around you that you're you you would almost think that a person's pattern could at least be picked up enough, even down to the breathing, uh, by the way they talk, not just the timber. And even if if with the program you could add sounds of breathing or or whatever, yeah. again, you know, it, where it's where it's where it would seem that this is where this person does that. This is what I'm afraid that leads to that someone says, "Oh, really? Well, there's a way to beat that," and sits there figuring oh, out oh, how yeah. to actually lift those breaths off of recordings of people the, the the thing is it's not so much hearing it it's looking at the waveform right and right. realizing that yeah it sounds like it but yeah. it doesn't have the same level of drop off that mm-hmm. a, a human breath would have and and the only people that would be able to see that would be the computer systems themselves yes. or so, even even uh, down to the same line or wherever for like they they would be able to tell is it the same even even service phone service all the, there's so many little things that we're probably yeah. not even thinking about that would rat out the, you know this kind of scam yeah 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 john I just want to get to this last one um just give us a quick update on starlink reaching 70% of canada this year says elon musk yeah this is a really interesting development with starlink they have about 3000 uh low earth satellites up in the um, up in the sky right now and they've just brought satellite internet to antarctica and what has happened as a result of that uh elon's basically said that by doing this we now have a a a, a constellation of satellites that pretty much cover the entire planet now mm-hmm. they're adding more satellites but basically the 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 nice thing about uh, Starlink is that if you live in a remote community or say you have an RV, you can actually get a Starlink system so you can have satellite internet that's really good, better than some people's home internet um, anywhere on the planet, almost anywhere. Um, Right now, it's only probably about 30% of Canada, but by the end of the year, Elon says because they're deploying more of these satellites and they're using space lasers, which I just love saying that word because it's a fun (laughs) word to say. They're using... um, lasers to basically uh, send from a base station up to the satellites to basically broaden those sort of dead zones. And there he's claiming that he's going to have about 70% of Canada covered by the end of the year. Wow. This is marvelous, mm. let alone mm. quick. Yeah. How quickly this stuff is advancing. And uh, we know what this means, right? We, we hope it means better equality and of internet for people. Yeah, especially rural or people who can't afford. But yeah. you just think about how much space stuff is up there now. Oh, my God. Whoa. Space lasers. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much, John. <laughs> it's fun to say. It is. It's our new favorite <laughs> Friday word. John Beeler is joining us every Friday to talk app updates. And space lasers. Yep. Coming up next, folks, the Helen Keller Center is building a new housing complex in the Toronto area. Karen McGee, she's here in a moment to fill us in on all the details. We'll talk to her 
in two minutes. So in John's report, what what excited you the most? Showing up at Walmart, not having to worry about the shelves, mm. Starling. Um, Probably uh, the internet. Kind of interesting too on the fake. The deep, voices. yeah. I was gonna say the uh, what do you call it? Deep noise. Deep, deep sound? fake. Deep fake uh, audio. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> that stuff is quite interesting because I started to get into that audio mindset, right? Like, well, how would you fake the the breath and would you make that a different element altogether and add it in when possible or, you know, the cadence of people's speech. You can't really mimic that. We slow mm. down and speed up uh, to show different emotion or to pause and can... But for short, imitate? I think that whole breath thing Definitely, I think uh, you know you could you could learn that. That part I think is yeah, yeah, and yeah. definitely you could utilize yeah. something. But you know but what like it is, Kels? John said maybe after busting somebody. That's well, right, how you find out. it's it's afterwards, yeah. which doesn't help much if you're already scammed or fraud. Uh, it came to you, but here's the thing: I assume something is scammed before I assume it's a real person. Now, like seriously, well, yeah. Email, anytime phone, uh, the, the numbers, anything. Yes. Hey, you have just one click. Yep. I, I, maybe I did, Even but I'm email. now forget it. I, I just no, no. I'm too scared to hit a button because we're Absolutely. told. Absolutely, oh, I don't want to hit that link at uh-huh. all. So everything is kind of a two-factor authentication. Somebody sends me an email, and then I call them. And I'm like, did you send me that email? Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. You careful that way, McGee. Worried Trust about. Me, yeah, that's. <laughs> I kind of thought that was the right moment for you to come in with that one. Unfortunately, that's the way I feel about any of the calls that come in. Uh, As soon as I hear whoop or anything that, you know, I know, uh uh-oh, and you start hearing the people in behind, you wonder, is that a sound effect of of like a call center or whatever? What's going on? And look at the number, I'm like, yeah, right. Well, and then you don't know, even when there's no one there, what scam is that? Or did I say anything that was recorded that could be used later? Um, Karen McGee joining us. We do this visit, uh, have our regional content reports on Wednesdays and Fridays on the program. Karen McGee joining us, AMI content development specialist. So you've got some really interesting things to talk about, Miss I Don't Trust. Um, the Helen Keller Center is going to be building a new housing complex in the Toronto area. Who's going to benefit from, from these new apartments? Um, So as we all know, affordable housing is not easy to find, especially in Toronto. Um, Mm. I know I couldn't afford to live in Toronto. Um, The Canadian Helen Keller Centre is going to be building a new apartment building in Etobicoke. It's going to be a fully accessible and affordable, keyword affordable too, um, the two A's, apartment complex with more than 56 units. And there's going to be one, two and three bedroom apartments, half of which are going to be rented to people who are deaf blind. And the rest of the units are going to be reserved for people with general disabilities and for more vulnerable populations who need the affordable housing. Um, This new apartment building is also going to have a 6,500 square foot state-of-the-art training center where Canadians who are deafblind can gain some life skills to aid with independence, along with other programs to service and support all the other tenants in the building. Quite frankly, these types of housing units are too far um, between, they, they, they need more of them. Mm-hmm. And not just in Toronto. No offense to Toronto. 
Well, first of all, I got to say that that cost of living in Toronto has spreads out to uh, Kitchener, London. Now our prices have gone up, so it's it's totally since people have been working from home, this whole widespread really a big problem. Um, these affordable units definitely in need. Also, the certain um, accessibility. Uh, requirements in them. I, I remember doing a piece for AMI-TV years ago and uh, went to a Cheshire home and learned about some of the things, something so important like the fire alarm uh, for someone who can't hear. How do they know if they're sleeping? And I had to I learned all about the vibration, all that stuff back then. And we're looking at things like that that are absolutely necessary to in, in units like this, Karen. So uh, really good to see this being done. Any idea of that timeline when these are going to be ready? So they don't have an actual day when it's going to open yet. They still have to do a lot of fundraising. They did receive some grants from the Rapid Housing Initiative, but mm-hmm. they still need to raise an additional $6 million to build. So they are fully operational when they open. And you see that a lot, um, uh, senior facilities, independent living facilities, when they do the fundraising, they want to make sure they don't just have enough for to get the building up. They need to have enough to get it running, too. And, and you know, before because they don't have any rent coming in yet. Right. Um, there is currently a wait list of 34 people right now with the Canadian Health and Health Centre in Toronto who are waiting for affordable housing. So this can't come soon enough because that list is just going to get longer. It is. And. It, it's kind of, it, I mean, we're always talking about affordable housing. We're always talking about accessible housing that is so needed. And I get frustrated because it's almost like there's a particular formula that, that has to be the right time, the right budget. The money has to be acquired because there's, there's just not enough money put out there to, to organize accessible, sp- uh, some housing that takes in the needs of, of individuals in this situation. And we never get ahead. There's never a surplus. Okay. But we can't even keep up. No. And, um, we're going to actually be doing a document. I don't know if I can love to talk with this. Oh, sure. You can go ahead. Marketing, 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 turn off your, um, your your ears. It's Friday. They left a a documentary that we're working on right now. So it's not done yet. Um, is about having, being able to stay at home as you age. Uh, yes. And as disabilities yep. and things come up, we're running into this now personally um, with my husband, with some of his needs. Our house is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, we can't find a house that fits our needs. So we have to stay here. You know, he passes out a lot. We have steep stairs. Right. He's passed out at the top of the stairs. Um, not a really good, safe environment. Um, so it, it's something that people need to take into account when they're building from day one and this sort of apartment complex that's going up, hopefully we'll get people to think about, don't just do a unit here or there. People want to buy a house and stay in it. Yes. Yes. And stop selling me on. It takes away the ability to make the places very creative, very uh, appealing to people. It does not just do your job, be creative, have fun. If you consider it a challenge, rise to it and, and design accessible, affordable, and unique. Keep your uniqueness all you want, but just think of, of the various needs of people. And it's not a it's not a new thought, and it's Mm-mm. not difficult. The uh, Rick Hansen Foundation's uh, gold standard for accessibility and all the different things that they do to, you know, get people to feel motivated, I guess is the word, uh, to keep access in mind all the time, especially with infrastructure, is so helpful and fabulous. Um, 
Let's keep moving, Karen. There's a young girl in Barrie, Ontario, who raised money for a buddy bench at her school for people who don't know. Can you tell us what a buddy bench is? So it's been a while since I've talked about these. I love the concept. Mm -hmm. Um, So when a child feels lonely, they can sit on a designated buddy bench. And this signals to other kids in their class or or kids at their school that they may be feeling isolated, need a little comfort. Um, Ideally, another child's going to notice them sitting there, sit beside them, talk with them, invite them to play. It's a great way for kids to let other kids know they're in need of a bit of a help, um, whether you're a new child to a school or you're just or you're just not having a great day. So Hannah Hester of L'Ecole Elementale Catholic Frère André in Barrie raised $1,000 by herself to buy one for her school. And I love how she got this idea as a sci-fi person myself. She got it from the sci-fi animated movie Ron's Gone Wrong about an awkward middle school child. And she realized her school could really benefit from this type of buddy bench. So she set out to raise the funds. That's so great. See how these conversations about mental health, with which essentially this is what this is, right, is um, getting younger and younger people involved, like directly involved in the conversations. I, I love the idea, first of all. Um, how did she raise the money? So according to CTV, with help from her mom's Facebook page and a GoFundMe account, Hannah raised $1,000 um, for En Francais. It's La Banque de l'Amitié or Buddy Bench. And I know I just... My French accent is not very good. Um, it's not the first time Hannah has fundraised for a good cause. You know, when we talk about these amazing young people, this is never the first time they've done this. So she's in grade five, but when she was in grade four, she gathered 380 pounds of food to help feed all the animals. So it was it was animal oh, food wow. belonging to families who use the Berry Food Bank. Um, and the year before that, so grade three, if my math is correct, um, she helped run a garage sale and lemonade stand to raise 280 kids for Sick Kids Hospital. So, like, yay, Hannah. I yay. Know. Small yay, applause for Hannah. Hannah. And I'm just going to jump on it really quickly onto, like, your conversation you guys just had. I just got Starlink. So this oh. is the first hit I'm doing with Starlink. And apparently you guys can hear me now. This I wonder is where she went. I, I, Karen disappeared. Oh, stop, stop it, it, Kelly. I'm tired of telling you, Kelly, complaining. He's sending messages going after. Internet. You know you were breaking up a lot. <laughs> He's not nice to me at all, is he? He's really no. Mean. Man, especially you ever sound clear, especially seeing how wonderful I am. I, I appreciate it. You sound <laughs> awesome. The audio is great. Now you hear me. Oh, yeah. Huh. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the money thing. Did anyone bring up money yet? No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, can we ask you then, since uh, you've just got it, what was the selling point for you? Was it, I mean, I know we've, you know, you've had some struggles with location being uh, not, not the best internet uh, at times for you. W- what did you see and say, wow, I want this. I, I saw my boss keep sending me her screenshots of her speed that she was getting with oh, Starlink. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She was harassing me. I'm, I'm just saying that. <laughs> No, 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 no. One of, one, no one of my, my Karen and I got it as well at her place, and she was having similar internet issues that I was having, and it came highly recommended, and I trust her, and her and her husband have been very helpful with us getting it set up. So we had it in the backyard for a couple of days, just testing it out, and then they came and installed it on the roof today. So wow. I'm so happy. Do you no know? drop-offs, right? Like we haven't had any you know? drops? Yeah. Your voice Netflix hasn't done any little buffer. funny things? Netflix. Netflix is not that I've been watching Karen, Netflix while I've been working. How long have you been watching Netflix? That was as the first it thing buffered? she tested. Buffering how long Netflix? has Netflix been around? Oh, stop um, it. No, it's not, it's not that bad. It, 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 apparently, I can see it now because we get really low quality, so it was really grainy. So I'm very excited. Jeez. I don't even know what I'm hearing. We didn't even know half the problems you were having. 
Oh, I mean, Netflix. I mean, come on, Bridgerton. Hello. <laughs> All right, go do some binging. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate Thank you being you on. Thank you, guys. Have a, have a great weekend. Thank Boy, you. does she sound clear. Okay, I hope that's her audiobooks that. weren't buffering. Jeez. Oh, goodness me. Well, at least she's not, you know, and all the stuff that it was doing to her before. We visit with our uh, content development specialist on Wednesdays and Fridays here on Kelly and Company. In the next hour of the program, Ryan Huey highlights the upcoming Thank You Garden Party uh, hosted by Caliber Audio, showing appreciated to the hardworking volunteers in the industry. We'll get to some conversation, uh, recaps, and comment on segments in the past week on Cut for Time. Bill Shackleton, he joins us in just a moment. For the Friday bus. When you tune into the show in the middle of an interview. Canned tomatoes. Have you remember the alphabet soup type mm-hmm. things? Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. Hanging out with you wherever you're listening and around the world. Appreciate your time always. You can check her. Always love to hear from you. And, of course, you can check out what's going on here on the program at AMI-audio on Twitter. That's the handle. Always like to hear from you. Please uh, follow and appreciate your time, of course. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. We'd like to welcome in, as we do on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays to finish up our week, producer Bill Shackleton. Uh, Bill, we call this segment The Buzz because he buzzes in here with a few things to discuss. Never know where he's going to go and kind of what he's got in store for us. Shaq, welcome. And we are. Yes, we're back. Where do you want to begin, sir, with this pile uh, of interesting stuff? Yeah, we're going to do this one. Is it time to return the crown jewels? Oh. Um, Coming from CTV News, and apparently what there were... Part of the ground, the crown jewels were on display at the queen's funeral, and it's now that she is in the uh, you know laid to rest. There has been discussion on social media, and the discussion is this: is <clears throat> should we return the jewels back to the countries where they're from? And the second question is: is colonialism over? And the the two questions are related. Mm-hmm. Now, these jewels in question have a pretty dubious past. They okay. were taken, yeah, they were taken from South Africa and India when the British controlled those territories. And apparently, the mines that they dug were illegal. So, therefore, according to the author of this article, they, they were appropriated illegally. And that's the one question. The second question, and if you believe that, then right. should they be returned? And it's if you believe that colonialism is over, like some people do because of the, you know, because her reign is over, should they be returned or should they not? Well, it seems like a really great opportunity for a fresh start. Yeah. Because now we can... Maybe I'm being preemptive by saying this, but now we can kind of look forward. You know, we've had the grieving period, and I'm sure it's uh, individual for everybody, and different countries feel differently about the passive, uh, passing of Queen Elizabeth and what that means for, you know, us as a 
technically a Commonwealth country, right? But yeah, yeah, it the way I see it, it is a good time for a fresh start, like I said. And that means how do we, if we decide that the monarch means a, something different than it did when Queen Elizabeth was uh, our queen, what do we do? Yeah, it's I uncomfortable mean, um, to think about for well, sure. But- I think I more feel things were different when, you know, in her the beginning of her reign, versus later on. I feel things have have changed. Whether it's public attitude, uh, the royal family, mm-hmm. the attitude as as years go on, people change, things and circumstances change. So I I know this has been this colonialism question's been out there. It it comes and goes kind of thing. Uh, I think the heart of it is who wants to stay in the Commonwealth, who doesn't, who believes in what the royal family ha- has been, is to England, and some of the the resentment, for sure, um, from many centuries. So I don't like to speak because I'm not necessarily the, a deep expert on it. Do, do we feel... Th- I mean, I'm not so sure on the they were taken a, like theft, the way the jewels were taken. It was, again, a very different time where England was deeply involved in the in, in uh, yeah. on the continents we're talking in the countries right. we're speaking of. Um, and lots of gifts go back and forth, whether it's um, to 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 royalty, to crowns, to presidents, kings, queens, whatever it might sure. be. So I. I'm not sure about that. I I also wonder what the countries in question feel. Well, that's the thing, because gifts are just the way that we know them as. Uh, We we hear very similar things with our indigenous communities, right? Bring us our, quote, gifts back, please, because they weren't really gifts to begin with. They were taken against our will and our... the way that we felt was not considered at all. So, you know, as you say, Billy, if some countries are feeling that resentment of history, colonial history, um, of English rule, then the parallels are, they speak for themselves. You know, maybe it is time for us to consider that stuff instead of putting a big blanket over it and saying, hey, man, maybe the, the past is a past and we could just let it go. I, I wonder if some would feel because it was British rule at the point of these yeah. being gathered. So I, I think I, that- that's that what would it be, is. Yeah, and that's where people would say, well, no, they, they can at that time take... And, and bring them to England if that's what they wanted to do. Would the, I don't want to say right thing, would it be a horrible thing to return them? To me, no. No. But it, 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 it's the resistance, right? Why mm-hmm. are we resisting returning these things if we know that some countries are not happy with the, the jewels being That in the, the opinions presence. are out there. Now, again, if, if India was to say, no, we're comfortable with that at the time, that's part of history, I think that's a discussion. But then... That's an opinion of the, those who feel that way or say that they're in a position to answer that question if it if it's posed. Well, here's if another it was another offered. part of this. Mm-hmm. Another part of this issue is that you're not talking about all the jewels, just just a few of them. So yeah, maybe mm-hmm. Ramia, you know, we should return them. I mean, how well, many what times other places we... too, Bill? There's they're from yeah. all over the world. Yes. Any all yeah. sorts of places that. Uh, what do you want to call them, conquests or whatever, yeah. occurred. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a controversial one to think about, Billy, and to talk about. And interesting yeah, that that the colonialism thing, I've heard, I haven't heard much about the crown jewels, so it's interesting that that, I've heard about it years ago, you know, decades and, and previous centuries, you know, um, that, that that would come up. Uh, sir, you're next one. 
toxic chemicals found in school uniforms across North America. Um, so according to a study by the Environmental and Scientific Journal, mm-hmm. um, PF, PFFs um, were found in certain types of clothing, uh, um, basically snowsuits, mittens, and hats. Now, these chemicals are are designed to, well, for stain resistance. So they, I, I guess, I, I don't know much about materials, but that's what they do. Right. For spills um, and, and yeah, body oils and so on, I would imagine. Yeah, 60% of the 72 products tested um, found those P, uh, PFFs and the uniforms with synthetic material were the highest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, but wasn't they, this an issue back several years ago? I don't know. I thought this sounds really, I remember reading something about this being a problem. And I can't remember what product it was. Cause of course you're going to hear about that, that they were going to really do their best to, to, to kind of nail that out. And I thought that was at like 10, 15 years ago. Well, Why they did, is the they chemical used? Um, for stain, stain resistant. resistant. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what it does, it causes a problem to the immune system and that sort of thing, wow. and asthma, and Ugh. it's it's just Especially now when with you kids, walk, right? And we're already yeah, talking when it comes to fragile lungs. We're talking about the damage that particle pollution particles are doing to to our lungs and causing you know the theories of of causing lung cancer and things like that. Uh, let alone finding something that may bring on some of these things early or cause such early damage. And uh, like you can eliminate some of them by washing clothes, but isn't apparently that, it's isn't that a ridiculous point? Because What's that? why are we putting the chemicals in if we're just saying, well, just wash your clothes to take them out? Well, and I don't take all. You don't take it all out. No, and I don't think it's one of those cases. You know, when people get worried that, well, what if I throw this in the laundry and it stains other things because it's brand new? Right. I'll wash on my. I don't. I don't hear of instruction to do that. Well, wash this thing four times in cold water, and it'll take care of. You know. Well, hold on. Why are we taking care yeah. of it if it's there for stain resistance exactly. anyway? Then just don't take, use get it. The chemical out of here. Yeah. And the thing that um I immediately thought of is you know mittens and winter clothing and all that stuff. Like when you're kids, you just you don't mm. think about so you put everything in your mouth. You, yep. you pull off your gloves yeah. that yeah, you way. Handle everything. You're sweating. Yeah, and so, then don't wash. You go pull out your hands out of the gloves, and you're grabbing whatever food somebody's handing you. Exactly. Right? So there, there's no way that this stuff isn't being I don't know ingested. Or yeah, yeah. And it sounds like it. It's not even necessarily ingesting, even just breathing, breathing it in, breathing it yeah. in, yeah, breathing yeah. it in, breathing it in. Wow, yeah. scary. Well, we'll see where this goes and people, you know, uh, keep an eye on this, especially you've got young ones and you've got to be concerned about this. Shaq, you want to squeeze one more? Well, we can talk about it, the Italian airport. What Basically, you've got a guy with a wee, in a wheelchair mm-hmm. who pretended to have a disability, except that when the, uh, the sniffer dog... Yeah found cocaine in I think they said 30 pounds of cocaine in the upholstery Ooh. he got up so you think the guy had a disability he pretended but boy he sure didn't he tried to walk away and was arrested I'm sure he you tried to run <laughs> that's well I, 
Gosh. I love how they call him in this article the wheelchair rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what it reminds me of? When you get into a car accident and you get whiplash. Oh. And then, and then you go to an insurance company to claim, and then all of a sudden, no, you don't have whiplash at all. Because everybody complains about whiplash. And then, whoops, no, you don't have whiplash at all. Yeah. You know the faking, mean? yep. Yeah, the faking part of it. I mean, I, I think people play... In this case, on they're not going to harass me. I'm a person in a wheelchair, so yeah, they they play right. that. They try to play that card, thinking, "Oh well, people in wheelchairs never get questioned, never get searched, yeah. never get anything. The dogs even ignore them, right?" And here you have a situation where the, the dogs certainly didn't ignore, and thirty pounds is found, um, and it, it's tough because it just you just sit back and say, "Is anything we do at all?" I don't want to say sacred, Billy. Remember, they'd say that. Oh, who would do so? But the reality is it's a, hey, man, I'm a businessman trying to sell my my junk, and I'll use whatever means. So Can't the have only it both way, ways. No, and that, this, this you throw the guy in jail and toss away the key. <laughs> yeah. Toss the well, key. I'll, well, I'll put it in my wonder, cane. What's yeah, that, Bill? I wonder, do people with disabilities get searched? I mean, uh, we oh, do. for sure. What, what are the for odds? Sure. What are the odds? What are the odds of this guy not being? Yeah. Well, he obviously do. thought the odds were good he wouldn't until he yeah. was running away. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. We'll talk to you next week. Bill Shackleton joins us for the buzz. We'll be back in a moment with the Chatty Bookshelf. Listen to AMI-audio right from your TV. Rogers Mountain customers, guys, look for us on Channel 889. And uh, Novus, you guys over there, your customers can listen to us, of course, as well, on uh, Channel 889. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into some fun audiobook conversations as we do every Friday with Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Hui. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. Are you having a fabulous Friday, Ryan? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm always having a fabulous Friday, and this Good. is my kind of weather. Coffee drinking weather. Mm. Oh, it's true. Um, notice he didn't say book reading. Though. I know. I Wait, I said true, and then I well, stopped because I was like, that doesn't sound right. It was coffee. <laughs> Any kind of weather is book reading weather. Oh, okay, good he comment. got out of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, would this be if you were off on a Friday afternoon where you would just have the window open or would you actually venture? Is it too chilly for you to venture out to the backyard and stretch out? What do you mean be off on a Friday afternoon? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, I'm yeah, just you know, say. No, I, I, I think it would be more of a balcony situation. Yeah, but uh, um, you know what? With Joe now, I think I might be able to venture off and, and find a park bench somewhere nice. as long as he doesn't want to eat grass. <laughs> Can't promise any of that. I was do just going to say, what are the chances of that? Do you not drink coffee during the summer if it's too hot? I do, but uh, see, what I've learned to do is actually brew like seven cups of coffee and put it in a pitcher and just put it in the fridge and then Ice I make coffee. my own cold brew. Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's not the same as cold brew, just an FYI. But, you know, we're not going to get into a coffee uh, lecture right now. So <laughs> let's get into it. There's not it. enough sugar, I would There's imagine, for you. Is that the difference where Rye and I are no, okay No, cold brew with... is brewing it cold. But brewing it hot and then putting it in the fridge Why is, is it not the coffee. same? 
Well, I'll have to figure that one out. I'll have to think on that. That's what I said. Maybe Not, I can no answer No time, it. no time. <laughs> yeah, no time maybe, right Rye. We'll figure that out. Already right? eaten up a minute trying to explain this part. See? Yeah, Rye okay. and I are fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are we talking about today, Rye? Some fun stuff on the docket. Yeah, this is really cool. So, um, I found this story, and actually, there's been some more information released uh, just uh, uh, yesterday, to be honest, um, about it. But um, our friends at Caliber Audio are doing something that's really, really cool. They're hosting an audio garden party. And it's not kind of what you think, but it is kind of what you think. And um, it's, it's just amazing because uh, it's to kind of honor all of their narrator, their narrators and their volunteers. And what's coming out of this is they're making an audio thank you card. And the new information on this is it's actually going to be a little bit longer than anticipated. It's not just an audio. Hey, thanks, guys, for doing mm-hmm. all you do for us in 2022. They're doing the top five lines that have been chosen by the narrators, including um, some of the books uh, included from some of the books that they've narrated and they produced this year. So I think that's the part that really gets me. I think that's really, really cool that they're doing this and they're giving a copy to everybody in attendance, which is even cooler. Hmm. Wow. Wow. How will how will this kind of happen and lay out? When is it? So it's actually uh, coming up next week. Uh, mm-hmm. And what's going on is uh, if you are a Caliber Audio, I guess we'll call them subscribers, there was a select few kind of, we're going to call them tickets, Handed out to people like you, you or I that don't actually work or volunteer for Caliber Audio, and you're you are allowed to attend virtually. So this is happening in person at the Caliber Audio Studios, but also um, it's happening virtually. So there's kind of a, it's a hybrid event, and they're having people from all over kind of attend volunteers, so you don't have to kind of fly in and, and do that piece. But uh, everybody that's in attendance is getting this this e card, uh, this this audio card, which is really really cool. Because if you're one of the random people that are just like a subscriber, like how cool is that to be like, hey, look, mm-hmm. I got this for for yeah. winning this uh, this this trip there, or you know the the ticket in. And I think that I wish I was one of them, which I'm unfortunately not. But I did enter. Just I think it was a little late, and uh, they're they're going to go on and, and do that, and it's it's sounding really really great. So it's not a big guest list. No. So um, as far as they said, they're, they're doing it for their, I think it was 68 volunteers. And I'm not even sure how many narrators. So let's say give or take 120 people, mm-hmm. if, if my if my guessing is correct. But I can't say for sure, right? So I don't want to report to you guys wrong numbers when it's like, hey, it's 600 people. But <laughs> I don't think it actually is. I think it's qu- a quite a low number. So it should be a pretty cool and uh, intimate event. Mm-hmm. How important do you feel... Um, and what, what do you think this will have it going around other, you know, other companies saying, Hey, that, that's kind of an appreciated thing. I mean, this is a different kind of appreciation than what we would generally see, but how important is this? Do you think, especially to, to thank these people at this time, post pandemic or, or just for all the work that people have to do? To me, this is the most important, uh, you know, working for the CNIB, working with a lot of volunteers. Um, they're the, the bloodline of, of our organization and a lot of people that work in the not-for-profit will tell you that. So a thank you goes a long way. And then when you can make it memorable, that's even better, right? You know, everybody loves a thank you card or like, oh, here's a gift card, you know, something like that. But I don't want to say that's the easy way out, but that's low hanging fruit, right? To do something like this, I think takes something really special, some planning and people will remember it. They'll appreciate the gesture a little bit more because, you know, they're donating their time mm-hmm. to, for your organization to, to, in this case, to, to help produce audiobooks, right? So uh, they must love it uh, and they must love the organization that they're doing it for. So I think this is a 
a really cool kind of kickback and a nice gesture. And I would love to see more organizations and and more. I mean, whether it's audiobooks, whether it's the CNIB, whether it's anywhere, right, a not-for-profit, I think that that would be really great for for people to kind of take this and and do it that way because it's it's something that is is simple. Um, it, it's it's yeah, the thank you is there, and it's not something that you have to sort of mail out and and wait for kind of thing. It's here you go, email it or or however you want to communicate it to people, and yeah. and you got it, and it's yours forever, kind of thing. Audience is nice too. Hmm. Well, I think it's really wonderful that like you're saying it could be delivered quickly um and uh, but it still feels very intimate it feels uh like an authentic personalized version of a thank you note because you know especially for this group of people right audiobook narrators as well as volunteers um i don't know if underappreciated is the word but it really is not as widely recognized as authors and publishers right the other side of putting these things together so it's kind of nice too that they kept it small as small as we assume it's going to be um considering that everyone can probably chat get to know um, the the hybrid part of it i'm curious about um but, you know, have some some type of meaningful interactions. Mm. I think people forget the volunteerism because we, we hear the narrator. Yep. And, you know, there are we so many people. see the credits. Yeah, there's yeah. so many other areas that these volunteers, Ryan, I'm assuming, are, are helping out, are doing, um, are making things possible, are editing, are, there's, there's just so the many social, jobs. The social, the branding, the promoting mm-hmm. of audiobooks. I feel like the, the reasons why audiobooks are as big as they are now, and even ebooks, but just, you know, all these kind of things, uh, is off the backs of volunteers. Yeah, social media, websites. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. No, and I, that's that's why I kind of like it too, right? And I, I would love to see it even taken one step further. And this is maybe just me, but uh, I would love to see if there's a way to like personalize it, right? Like, so everyone's not getting the same one. But I don't know, maybe you can group personalize it. Hey, you guys were the special guests that air quotes won the contest. So here's your thank you, as opposed to, hey, you're a narrator. This thank you. And oh, hey, you're a volunteer. Well, thank you. Maybe there's like a group one instead of individual. Hey, Annie, thank you for this. And, you know, hey, Roger, thank you for that. Um, I think that would take a crazy amount of time, uh, especially um, if you're working for a big organization. But even like the the, the group ones, I think that that'd be kind of cool to see how you you know, hey, this is what I did for them this year, and um, this is the thank you I got. So I think that's kind of a really big piece that we, that that should go a long way with it too. Well, as I said, I like the audience, and the reason I like it is because I think people, for one, you have the people you know are there, um, but also they get to hear what these volunteers are doing. They get to take the word mm-hmm. forward to us who may not have been there, but, you know, well, what do you mean? What volunteers? What, what, you know, a lot of people have no concept. We just don't know. And what do these people do? And wow, wow, to understand the scope of how it's being made possible for us to get our books. No, you're right. And uh, the, I, I love what uh, Rami had brought up just a couple of minutes ago about, you know, you don't really, you don't see the glitz and glamour, but like these people are ultimately so, so important to um, the, the production of an audiobook, whether it's through marketing, whether it's through mm. whatever they're doing, you know, the, there's no small job in the production of, of something of this quality to get it out to, to fans and, and the people that appreciate it. 
Yeah, and the overall message here is, right, we all play a tiny little role. You know, I was talking about it here, you uh, engaging all over social, putting in the application to want to be invited to this, uh, and just everybody. Like, if we go on Twitter and see the amount of interaction engagement there is about audiobooks, Mm -hmm. we're all playing that role, and that's no one's getting paid for that. That's just because we love it. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll continue to do it just for that reason. Exactly. Um, what about you were saying about the lines and stuff like that? Uh, do you want to say anything else? With it? Because maybe example, anything you've, you've heard of seen um, when they're they're voting on their favorite from this year lines that 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 have come through through the books Is anything just to give us some kind of uh, more background on that, right? I have so many questions myself about that, um, but the ha- too much too much uh, information hasn't been released because I think they want to keep that special to the For people sure. receiving receiving the thank you, and I think that's where um, we're going to have to hope somebody maybe posts it to YouTube or, or something like that where we can actually hear, which I'm sure will happen. But yeah, as far as I know, it's going to be five of the best lines from different uh, the five most popular books that they've released this year uh, in audio form. So it could be just, a, you know, an open, I'm sure they're not going to give away like the, the big aha moment line in, in each book, but I think that there's going to be some pretty big ones. And I think that that's going to kind of uh, really be the icing on the cake for, for some of the volunteers to, to hear that and say, Hey, I was a part of making that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's these kind of beginnings, right? The first event of this sort or the first time that happened and this initiative, et cetera, et cetera. I always, uh, you feel special when you're part of that and to see how it'll grow next year or the year after that. Yeah. Um, for example, the Audi Awards, right? When mm, Audible started sure. that. Yeah. I know. and But when it started, you know, nobody knew about it. But a couple no. years later, it's like this huge thing, the Narrator Hall of Fame, all these kind of um, wonderful initiatives as we know them now started somewhere. Well, and... There were so many narrators back in the day and people recording and people getting books of made available for print-restricted people that will never, ever get that kind of salute that they should get, that they were deserving of then. So I love to see an event like this because it's kind of correcting what was not meant to be a slight, but definitely now saying, oh, man, this is valuable. This is something to recognize and all audiobook readers are going to be really interested in this and also very grateful. No, and I'd love to see the audience go back and do something for those narrators back in the day that didn't get the notoriety that they are now, yeah. right? You know, oh, and by the way, this guy, you know, um, uh, released 45 audiobooks in the 1990s kind of thing or, or when, whenever kind of. So I, th- I think that would be really cool for them to kind of go back and do some throwback stuff like that. Amazing. Right, this is so fun. I know you didn't get invited, but thanks for trying, and hopefully you can find some information out anyways to keep us posted on how it went for the attendance. Yeah, maybe and, next year. Yeah, yeah, Maybe you'll still sneak in somehow. Maybe it'll be mm. last minute. We still have some rush space, Ryan. Oh. <laughs> wow. You're giving like me it. too much credit, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means now I've given up trying. Now I'm just going to wait for whatever tweets come out. I know, out. right? <laughs> uh, but you did excite me, Kels. Yeah, I, I really I thought worked you were up myself. It. I was hoping he'd say, "Yeah, yeah." Let me go try again. <laughs> okay, right. Talk to you later. Have a good weekend, guys. Ryan Huey, I swear he's rolling his eyes at us. Ryan Huey joins <laughs> us on the Jenny Bookshelf <laughs> once a week to talk oh, about books. Mood for that? You're ruining my nice Honestly. temperature day. I'll go read <laughs> on the balcony. Coming up next, folks, Grant Hardy returns 
to the program as we revisit and weigh in on conversations from the past week. Folks, it's Cut for Time in two minutes. So we've come to the point in the week where we're about to wrap up the program as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. I want to remind you, because we're going to talk about a few of the segments that uh, drew on our attention through the week, check out the Kelly & Company podcast, subscribe so you can go back and take a listen to some of these segments if uh, if you have a mind to. Just simply use your favorite podcast platform, do a search for AMI Audio Podcast or Kelly & Company. Maybe you can give uh, any of the ones that you like that you want to check out all the time, add them to your library. Uh, Maybe give a rating and review if you have time. But to help you out with that and give you an idea what you might find along our podcast feed or as part of the complete Kelly & Company podcast experience, Ramya, myself, uh, figured we'll bring up a couple of segments that we wanted to say a little bit more um, and add on to it. We've also invited Grant Hardy to join us, our reporter out in Vancouver with Kelly and Company. Uh, Grant, welcome back. Hey again, guys. So I'm going to let Rum go first here with uh, her item and then uh, give us some comment. And then uh, Grant and I will weigh in and and see what we have. And then I'll I'll share a little bit, too, with uh, something I wanted to bring a little attention to. And maybe we can have a bit of a roundtable chat, Rum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds good. And this is a fun one, Kels. On Tuesday, we spoke to our wellness contributor, Frances Wong, about tips for staying healthy and well in the fall. And she touched on a lot of different things. But here is a clip of her touching on some foods that'll keep us warm during the winter months. So remember in Ayurveda that we talked about like increases like. So what I mean by that is if it's cold outside and you eat ice cream, you're going to feel even colder. Mm -hmm. But when it's cold or cool outside, you can warm up by eating and drinking warm and spicy foods and drinks like stews, like what you said, uh, soups, uh, Kelly, uh, made out of roots, vegetables, or bone broths. I like drinking spiced teas that have licorice or ginger and cinnamon to balance out the cool dryness of the fall season. And you can also add warming spices like turmeric, which is good for anti-inflammation, as well as other spices like cumin, coriander, black pepper, and ginger in your cooking. Not only are they energetically warming, but they also aid with digestion. Um, I know I said winter. I meant fall. It's because I'm staring at my white, almost winter coat that is hanging <laughs> across from me. But anyways, it's cold as hell outside. So the thing is, I love fall and winter for this reason. I love the food choices we have, the stuff that we can get excited about in the fall and winter for me. For some people, it's the the clothing and the, the vibe of the... Um, fall aesthetics uh but for me really really deep down at the bottom of my heart it is the food i'm so excited (laughs) about the fall and winter so there's this thing called cool and this is a sri lankan um hot soup it's a very thin brothy soup that is meant to be the spiciest thing you ever try in your life it is so (laughs) hot it is full of pepper i think some people just call it pepper sometimes in, in tamil But this is the thing I think of, not at the moment, but around December. We always make a batch, me and my mom, every year. Uh, It's got all these. You can fill it with whatever you want, really. Uh, Seafood, not necessarily chicken or beef, but seafood or vegetables and or both. 
but it's so spicy. So clearly you have it if you want to ease your sinuses. Uh, but also I was thinking in this context, right? If you're just cold, 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 and you want to feel warm and sweaty even, have a bowl of cool. Then I thought of cutting and peeling. So I love the food, but I'm not a fan of the things you have to peel and the big, big vegetables you got to deal with in the fall. I love squash, right? I've been exploring a lot more with squash and finding, uh, for example, at Metro, which is my default grocery store, they have a table of squash. And I've never even heard of half these three quarters of the the type of squash you can find now. Um, But I've been experimenting more and more, still on the hunt for the sweet dumpling squash okay that's what but the reason why i was terrified even before cutting into squash or knowing what that technique would feel like uh, the reason why i was terrified of even uh, trying you know picking up a squash and bringing it home was because my mom put the fear of knife handling in me so she would use these giant knives that i can only compare to a butcher knife might not have been okay but i'm just saying it's giant bigger than a chef's knife close enough yeah, and she yeah. would hack at these things, and you could hear it a mile away, and you would think that she's, you know, cutting into her giant thick meat, but it would just be vegetables. And uh, so I looked at that, and I was like, maybe maybe squash is not for me. But, you know, since then I've grown up, and I've found out that cutting squash is actually not terrible. <laughs> it is something that has always been, like, it took me 10 years to buy squash of any kind and pumpkin and 12 to buy the knife that it would take <laughs> <laughs> and pineapple that's another one yes uh because i just remember the way that my mom would go at it with her knife you know you'd have to stay so far but i wanted to ask you guys do you love fall and winter for the food for the warming foods but just for the array of food uh grant oh guys you know what <clears throat> i hate to be a downer but i don't know if you remember this about me I'm a summer person. Oh, I love yeah. summer, summer fruit. I love summer, you know, experiences. I I always get really down around this time because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of fall and winter staples. I don't like fall and winter sports. I don't really have a lot of kind of dietary things to fall back on. You know, I always just kind of pound back coffee throughout the summer and winter <laughs> oh. and all seasons. That's what keeps me warm. Uh, so... Uh, listening to all these food options, they, they sound very sophisticated. Maybe a little too much for me, but not, it could not be at interesting. My <laughs> yeah, it could could be interesting to look into. But boy, I always um, I have this Grant Winter Blues that I talk about, and it starts around August thirty first and ends around uh, April thirtieth. So, mm. so I'm I'm definitely a summer person. Okay, how about you, Kelly? Um. Definitely, I'm a fall person. I, I the heat of the summer bothers me. I like you, Grant. Enjoy the fruit. The fruit is so cool. There's so much of a plethora, but and the prices are already the vegetables. There's so much of that stuff that I know I overall struggle with and and lack. I for I try to just eat what I can in vegetables, but things are are reasonably priced. Fruits there, I, I do try to watch because I tend to go for the sugary sugarier um, fruits. Mm-hmm. What I love about the fall and Ramya, when you talk about the spicy soup. It takes me back to the things that they would say, hey, have soup, it cures a cold if you're not feeling yep. well. You have all these things that really what they do is if you pepper it down enough, it just makes your nose run and you hopefully blow all the garbage out and loosens up your lungs. And that's kind of like the, the meal citron or the Vicks treatments. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, uh, what I love about the fall is to me, 
you have the be- the end of the the summer season, so you still have your fruits and and the summer vegetables and that available to you. You then get into the fall fairs where you see a lot of the harvest stuff as it switches over. So we were talking about fairs and we were talking about the expo, but I mean the real ones where farmers bring things out uh, and move their wares. You have the junk food that is so unique, the fudge, the cotton candy, all that stuff that you associate. You move to Halloween, so it's a candy fest for so many people, You but you got your pumpkins, your switchover of pies and stuff like that. Uh, Thanksgiving in Canada, October, Thanksgiving in the U.S., um, and and the bigger meals, but unique foods that happen as we get to the winter. All along, having those foods that you know you haven't really had in the summer um, because you're looking for the stuff to stick to your ribs, to keep you warm. Uh, I know my mother, when I used to, as a kid, my father would do a big old mess of pork hocks, and we wouldn't have it the pork in the summertime. My mother was very superstitious. No way. You know, you mess around with pork too much in the summer. So she literally wasn't comfortable with uh, as much pork like that until the winter. So come late uh, October, watching football, I remember us doing up a mess of pork hocks and things like that. So I find fall beautiful that way because it's a real transition mm. of different and a real unity of different foods. And and I really always have, have enjoyed that. So for me, you know, again, I just find it's that one season where you have everything, you know, where you have, as Grant says, the coffee's year round for him, yeah. for me too, but where your warm and cold drinks come together. You're still eating ice cream in the early fall, let's say, but then you start switching to your warmer stuff and uh, your puddings maybe and things that really you may not do as much in the summer. I've always loved the example of it and and kind of have some fun with that. Um, but I, I really like what you were saying, Rum, about the seasoned soup because that just feels cuddly. Same with the squash, it's butternut cozy. squash soup, yeah. pumpkin soup, all those wonderful things. And I'm not a big soup eater, right? I, I tend to like the sweet ones. But even your salad changes over. You have the festival of stuff in August from the summer. You still carry that into September, October and seem to, to switch over, especially as the stuff is a little harder to find. Really nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. Really nice. Guys, um, on Wednesday's show, we had our bi-weekly conversation with Ryan Delahanty. This week, he shared some information on a new accessible transportation service in Halifax called Extra Care Taxi. Here he is talking about some of the reviews that this service has recently gotten. Uh, quite positive so far. Uh, I've seen a lot of people commenting on the post, sharing their experiences. Everybody's had rave reviews about uh, the transportation aspect of it. Uh, our friend Vicky Levac was uh, doing a uh, one-woman performance at the Fringe Festival a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was there. She started taking audience questions at the end, and uh, I was like, well, how's Extra Care Taxi so far? Have you heard much? <laughs> uh, she's in the loop. I knew she would have the inside scoop. And she'd actually used it that night to get to her Fringe Fest performance when the excessive bus that she had booked well in advance fell through. And she was able to swap in a ride with extra care quite quickly and make it to the venue on time uh, to rave reviews, of course. Uh, So it's been great to see the service get such glowing reviews, although I have seen numerous people mention they're not too fond of the name Extra Care Taxi and would probably welcome a rebranding. Okay. So, of course, when Ryan was saying that, I thought, wow, I expect that, that some people would not like the name. And when I say that, you know, you start saying, am I being too fussy? You know, everything here is go-go. It looks great. Um, This is just one of the boxes I, I feel needs to be checked for a different kind of name. Why? 
Um, I don't know if it's extra care, if it's, you know, I'm assuming people feeling, well, hold on, but why? That's like saying fragile package here or something like that. Maybe that's what some people feel. So I kind of wanted to roundtable this with you guys. Um, first, I want to start, I don't know if any either of you have an idea of what you would call a service like this. I have a feeling maybe it wouldn't offend you enough to say, well, I'm not going to use something called that. Grantia, does it kind of rub you the wrong way, or really, do you would you not mind it being called extra care? Um, no, I'm a little bit picky about my language. I it's funny. I remember this when Facebook had their empathy engineers, as they mm. called them, which were people who focused on accessibility. Wow. Um, I think dis- disability is often associated with charity, care, empathy, sympathy, help. Support and that kind of thing. And I, and I think I would just call this something basic like uh, access taxi. And I, I must admit that um, you look at, you know, in Vancouver, we call it uh, handy dart, I get across the provinces, the typical access, access transit stuff is named differently, but they're all kind of the same where they they've been very un- undignified, really. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this kind of taxi service it sounds like they're maybe taking the right steps. Look, if, if cities are not going to make themselves fully accessible, then I do think cities have the responsibility to have dignified, accessible transport. And and yeah, part of that is is the name for sure. Rum. Yep. You know, you, you were you used the word dignity uh, a couple times there, and I think it is the word that I would use if I could have thought of it first. It honestly. When Ryan talked about this, and I uh, agree completely with the people who say, you know, I don't really like the the name of it because it just feels like, eh, couldn't you have thought of a different name? You know, why? Why does it have to be, again, putting people with disabilities in that seat of, hey, you need that extra assistant. Let me hold your hand. You know, that kind of. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like when I hear anything that still uses handy. Forget it. You know, like it just, I automatically feel this internal deep down cringe because like you, Grant, I'm very aware of the the language and the kinds of responses people have to language. Whether you're conscious of it or not, it makes a blanket statement about the people utilizing this service. Mm-hmm. So, no. Does I, it need... <laughs> Is it because of advertising so people know this is what the service is, whether you have a Doesn't disability matter. or not? Or should it be called, yeah. would we would we react to it the same if it was, would we feel, okay, it's uh, Tim's Tim's taxi service? Yeah. Yeah, you know what it, I think it's, it's pretty interesting is, you know, anybody who says that language is not important, language has a very subtle effect. I, I remember, uh, totally random example, but Microsoft changing the phrase don't save to delete. And they said this has like a major effect on how mm-hmm. users perceive the right. action they're about For sure. to take. And yep. like, likewise, I think changing, what is it, extra care mm-hmm. to, you know, something different is going to elicit a completely different response in people and how they perceive yep. the disability community. Uh, how, how about Taxi Service Plus? That makes me sound like VIP. You know, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> cool people get to use taxi service plus 
<laughs> and we, we, we have that at our uh, sky trains, our, our rapid transit, where you can request special assistance. It's called VIP assistance. And uh, it's it's really cool. It's even something that I'm comfortable making that call on, on the train yes. while other passengers are listening and asking for it. Absolutely. See, and that's such a good point because there's we talk about internalized ableism. I don't know how much on the show, but there's this concept of eh, do I really want to use something called handy taxi? Because even if you need the support, you feel like you don't want to be labeled that. You don't want to be using And a lot of times we label ourselves because it makes us feel that way. Look, I'm not that, right. you know, and, and one would argue somebody who's not in that position. What does that mean? You're not what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? And and sometimes, um, or most of the time with these services, you can bring a companion with you mm-hmm. or a support person or whatever. And even that, the phrasing of who you bring on and will you invite oh, other yeah. people onto the service with you? Is it your attendant or right. is it, you know, a companion? Definitely very different. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think a lot of services or cities, towns, whatever, forget that a lot of people are, are, are growing into and accepting their disability. Whether you're a diabetic who just found out and know it's going to take you 11 years to navigate through to where you accept or blood pressure meds that you have to take where mm-hmm. you're like, I, I, I shouldn't have to or, or whatever it might be. This stuff gets really hard and a lot of, like you said, Grant, language is everything. Persons with vision loss never was something I like to hear because not everybody has vision loss. Yeah. What about that person that's been you don't identify with that. blind all your life? What that's You're not speaking to me. Well, so I'll say one thing. Ira, the service that we most of us are aware of and, and or use, mm. when I heard the term explorer for my side. So the people who pick up on their side, the the sighted assistance is an agent and you are the Ira Explorer. I loved that because I, in no way does that imply that I need your help because I can't get it otherwise. It's just that, hey, um, I love the service and I explore my surroundings. You must love the twist on a tandem bike. The captain, but you are the stoker. That's right. Can't do it without me. Get to work! I stoke. Grant, thanks a lot for joining us for Cut for Time. Always wonderful. We'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Our reporter out in Vancouver, Grant Hardy, joining us as we talk about a few of the segments you heard on the program this week. Please, if you missed them or want to hear them again, check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Uh, We'll preview a couple of things for the weekend right here on AMI-audio and uh, say goodbye and open the gateway to your weekend after this. So we get so uh, wrapped up and cut for time on Fridays, we almost hesitate to think of a couple of segments we want to tell you about to remind you while you're doing your search through the week, things to check out, maybe uh, via the podcast or over the weekend during the best of Kelly and Company. Rum, any segment you want to shout at? Oh, man. Okay, talking to um, John and to Grant, I felt like there was this bit of, you know, AI robot talk that both intersected for me and um it was with grant talking about the pizza hut delivery robots and then the ai's stocking the shelves of walmart not stocking sorry letting you know about the stock of (laughs) shelves at walmart and i think you know we're moving somewhere keeping an artificial intelligent eye 
on it all, yeah, right? That's yeah. really what's happening there. Um, I, I really also thought that today with the buzz with Bill, we went over some really interesting topics. He covered off a lot. Uh, remember, you can check out the, the best of the buzz uh, uh, via the AMI exclusives through the podcast feed. But uh, really nice. If you want to go back and hear what he had to say, check out the Complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. But he really settled us in with three nice items today to really kind of make you stop on a couple of them and really think about a few things, but uh, navigated well through them. And, and we had some really good conversation, especially when we talked about uh, the potential of returning the crown jewels. Uh, you can do that subscribing to the Kelly and Company podcast using your favorite podcatcher. Over the weekend, lots of programming ahead here at AMI Audio. Ramya, you've got uh, some notes there from Andy Frank. Oh, you aren't even ready, Kels. I got tons for you. So, okay, the Guardian, the Guardian Audio Long Read is featuring the story of "Is This Justice? Why Is Sudan Facing a Multi-Million-Dollar Bill?" multi-billion dollar bill, sorry, for 9-11. Okay, this is happening all weekend, 10 a.m., 6 p.m., 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Remember, it's an eight-hour rotation on AMI-audio. We also have AMI-audio book review. Sometimes it takes two. That's the theme. So we're exploring books written, co-written by authors. So collaborative book writing, and Amir Khan brought us this topic. That's Saturday at 1 p.m. slash 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On Voices of the Walrus, A doctor struggles with when to declare end of life. And this is in an article called The Death Dilemma. That's at Sunday at 9 a.m. slash 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And Double Tap, the weekend edition, Stephen Scott and Mark Vlalo are hosting their, quote, usual chaotic conversation on the big tech news stories of the week, including the massive leak from Rockstar Games and their upcoming GTA 6 release. Uh, That's at noon slash 8 p.m. slash 4 a.m. Eastern Time. And for podcasts, if you're just not vibing with the schedule yet, you can check out all these things on your favorite podcast platform, along with Eyes on Your Money. It debuts today. This is very exciting. A monthly money talk uh, with Ryan Chin and Becky Armstrong. They're debuting on why do you need a bank account anyway? Mm -hmm. I know if you're questioning that, they've got some answers for you. So again, available on your favorite podcasting platforms. Did some tweeting out of uh, tweets from those guys, some retweeting last night. So you can check my uh, uh, AMI Kelly Mac podcast, or sorry, Twitter feed uh, and find out a little bit more. And if you want to follow them, they'd really appreciate that as they're trying to get the word out of the podcast. Ramya, thanks for uh, reading that. Anytime. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yes, we will. Folks, on the program, we have... Welcome Alley, if this is an initiative, gathering feedback to assist companies in really assessing and learning how valuable accessibility really is. We learn more on our Tech Talk with Michael Babcock and his guest, Richard Hyman. Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone will bring us our weekly sports update. Also, Stephen Scott, speak of the man, we had uh, Marco Flalo on the other day. Stephen Scott's with us on Monday. He's going to be sharing behind-the-scenes insights on running uh, the successful, special focus show on um, uh, AMI here. Uh, Camille Reporter, Annette Dennis, highlights uh, National Truth and Reconciliation Day uh, and Orange Shirt Day when she joins us on Monday's show. And Julie Matthews is the executive director of 
Community Legal Education Ontario. She joins Danielle McLaughlin on Know Your Rights to discuss how the initiative has been improving access to justice for many people. Producers for the show, Jeff Ryman, Ramya Muthan, Marianne Dion-Jones, reporter Grant Hardy, senior producer Matt Agnew, live production manager Paula Deneen, our manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Enjoy your weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Catch you Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, get out of here, will ya? So during my sports watching, the best thing for me lately has been the Google Home. How? Of course, checking my scores as I'm watching my game. But I've also decided, because I can get myself so worked up, so frustrated... I mean, I certainly want our Blue Jays up here to get into playoff contention, but I don't want them just to get in to go out two di- two games during a play-in. It's just, no, rather wait till next year or something, try to fix the bugs and see what happens. That's just me. I, I know a lot of people, and certainly the business of the team, hey, we'll just get in and you know sell tickets, make some money, and get that profile, uh-huh, and build from there. Okay. Different things tell me otherwise right now. I would love to see it. I would love it even if they got through through a fluke. If it just happens to be the best baseball they play all year. Wonderful. Because that's usually what happens. A team gets hot. Going back to my initial point. So now to keep myself from getting too upset, too worked up. What I do is, as I think the game is starting to get away. And this has backfired on me a couple of times. But more times it hasn't. I decide I'm tired of falling asleep, watching the game. I'm tired of being frustrated if it's just not working out well or dozing off, waking up. And what do you mean it's 10 to 3? So now I ask our good friend Google and find out, since I watch the game uh, so I can skip the commercials, usually generally starting an hour after the game began, so I have that time as I'm recording it, uh, to do so, I ask what the present score is. So I could be watching in the fifth inning saying, oh my gosh, this is terrible. The game's probably in the eighth. And if it's terrible, continued through, then I stop watching. But sometimes the Jays have rallied. So I then trust myself to be excited to see how. And I continue watching. Before the diehard fan of me says, no, no, don't check. You don't want to know the score in any way till the last pitch is viewed by you. Hell with that. Not not the same feel anymore, folks. You know, the doctor says, watch that blood pressure. <laughs>